Again, that's John chapter 14, verses 21 through 27. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, we are continuing in our sermon series, uh, The Grace Experience. And for uh, those of you who have joined us for the previous two installments of the sermon series, um, we are aiming not just to have a sermon type experience where you just hear from a speaker, but we are wanting us to uh, also experience grace and to be a part of uh, the sermon in many ways and to experience grace right here, right now uh, through spiritual practices and disciplines. And so the past couple of weeks, we've been practicing different uh, spiritual disciplines and that's going to continue today. And so I just want to maybe like warn you in a way, but also to encourage you uh, that this is not meant to be a, a passive listening experience. I mean, really, no sermon is supposed to be, but, you know, it's very easy to just kind of tune out or, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, but we really want to equip you. So when you go home, you will know how to do certain spiritual practices, right? There's one thing to talk about, but it's another thing to do it. So we're going to do it together today. And today we are talking about scripture. And so today's message is called Keeping the Word. And... Um, yeah, friends, uh, I have to say, uh, <laughs> this is kind of a confession for me as a pastor, that being a pastor can be a really good thing for your spiritual life, because there's a lot of things that I do that are my job, right? You know, it's my job to read the Bible. It's my job to interpret the Bible. And, you know, I read the Bible a lot uh, because of that. But I have to admit that f- for a-, a while in my life, there were times where I was pretty much only reading the Bible in order to teach it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like for a Bible study or for a sermon. And I would often, you know, use that as an excuse. You know, like, oh, well, I'm reading the Bible, right? So, yeah, you know, I'm kind of killing two birds with one stone. Yeah, I'm, like it's my job and it's going to help me preach a sermon and, you know, teach a Bible study. But it's good for my soul too. And that's definitely true. But I remember, um, you know, I, I heard some, from some pastor friends who encouraged me not to just read the Bible uh, in order for teaching, but to read it to feed your soul, you know, like all of us would do. And I have to say that um, a few years ago, I found that this was actually kind of hard for me. You know, there were a lot of times where, you know, I'm just kind of a busy guy. And so, you know, with all the things that I have to do, like, well, I'm already reading the Bible so much for preparing for a sermon. So if I had to do it for a devotion or a quiet time, I would just do it like really quick, just like, just to say I did it, 
you know, just read a couple verses, and probably it would be all of like 90 seconds or something like that, you know? And I found that I wasn't really getting much out of my personal Bible reading. Can you relate to this in any way, friends? Is, is this familiar for some of you? Do you struggle reading the Bible? Because we know, right, like it, it is not new news to hear that uh, reading the Bible is one of the most important spiritual practices you can have, right? It's a wonderful thing. It is a great way of receiving grace. And we've been talking about that, uh, you know, throughout the sermon series, about spiritual disciplines, not as a work that you're doing to earn grace, but rather grace has already been given to you. That's what grace is. It's a gift. And so what spiritual practices are is a way of receiving grace. And so I think we've had this graphic up every single, for every single sermon, so hey, let's not break the trend. Uh, but we've been talking about grace as a gift, right? And so we need to receive that gift. And so I don't think it is too far out of bounds to say Scripture is God's gift to you for you to enjoy. Look at that girl. Look how much she's looking forward to that, that present, right? Look how much she's enjoying unwrapping it. She's... Like, she's really digging it, you know? And, and I got to think, are there times, you know, what would it look like if instead of a, a, a present that she's unwrapping, it was a scripture? Would she still have that smile? <gasps> Is that what you look like when you read scripture? If I were to, like, just put, like, a little camera on your home, when you go to read scripture, oh, my gosh, it's like Christmas. Oh, my God. It's upside down. <laughs> It kind of helps if it's right side up. Oh my gosh, I love it. It's so good. Mm, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's so good reading the scripture. Is that what it's like for you, friends? Because I have to admit, that's not the way it was like for me. You know, it wasn't. I look forward to a lot of things in life. There's a lot of things I enjoy. Movies and games and, you know, hanging out with people. But scripture just wasn't one of them. You know, that doesn't sound like a very, you know, Christian or spiritual thing to admit, but I'm just being honest. You know, and I would use a lot of excuses. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, but the scripture is useful. Yeah, and it is. You know, I would use it to preach a sermon. But would I really use it in life? Would it really be something that was sustaining my soul, something I would look forward to? You know, not to say that necessarily it always has to be like this, because that's kind of goofy, right? Every time you read scripture, you're like, ah, you know? Let, let, let's not fake it, friends. But is scripture really a gift? Is it really good? And is it really something that would nourish your soul? Is it really grace to you? Grace that will help you live this life. Grace that will help you enjoy this life. Because I think it is. But I think one of the problems is the way we think about reading Scripture and the ways we've learned to read Scripture. And so for me, I've had to relearn how to read Scripture in some weird ways. Because I think the ways that I was reading it were in a way where it wasn't really enjoyable. I wasn't really giving myself a chance to enjoy it. And so over the past couple of years, I've sort of built my Bible reading practice. Um, I, I've like torn it down and built it back up from the ground up. And so for me now, reading scripture is a very enjoyable thing. It's really life-giving, you know? And, and so I wanted to teach you some principles of how to do that. And then we're going to practice doing it right now, right? So I, I think that'll be kind of a cool thing. So it's something you can take back when you go home and read scripture when you go home. 
uh, in a way that's ah, a little more enjoyable, hopefully. <laughs> uh, so friends, the, the, you know, one thing that I want to sort of point out, we're going to start with this, is um, the title of the sermon. It's called Keeping the Word, and is obviously very similar to a phrase we use all the time, uh, keeping your word, right? What does it mean when we say keeping your word? What does that mean? There's a picture of a pinky promise. Pinky promise. People do all kinds of cool things with pinky promises. They like stamp it. They sign it, right? Like, what does that, what does that mean? What, what, what does that mean when, when, when you're keeping your word? It's like keeping a promise, right? It means that you are going to follow through with whatever you said, right? If I, if I said, I'm going to give you 100 bucks tomorrow, right? I'm going to give you 100 bucks tomorrow. That's keeping my word. If I actually show up and give you that Benjamin, right? If I don't, then it's not keeping my word. But friends, uh, the, the root of that, the, the idea of keeping your word, um, just it means that you are not throwing it away. You're not disposing it. Right? That's what it means to keep something, right? So you are keeping that word. It's remaining there. Those words are still there. You didn't forget it. You didn't act like it wasn't there, you know? And so um, in the scripture, we're going to read a lot about keeping God's word. And so I want us to... Now, I know that probably the most common way to think of that is to do God's word. And yes, that's true. That, that is a part of keeping God's word. But I want to kind of expand on this definition by actually taking it literally. So let's take a look at the scripture. And so these will give us some, some uh, uh, build some groundwork for us to rebuild our practice of reading scripture. All right. So let's take a look at this. Verse 21. Whoever has my commandments, this is Jesus speaking, by the way, and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now, this is interesting, friends. If you were here for, uh, I think it was a sermon two weeks ago, we talked about the idea that God is everywhere, didn't we? God is everywhere. But so when we ask for God's presence, it's not because God isn't present. It's because he isn't manifest, right? We, we talk about that sometimes, the manifest presence of God. What, what does that mean? That means the presence of God that you actually detect, that you are actually aware of, right? So whether or not God is present is not the question, because God is always present. It's whether or not you are aware of it, whether or not you are experiencing, experiencing, experiencing it, sorry, <laughs> whether or not you are present too with God. And that, friends, is the manifest presence of God. And so here it actually uses that word. Um, and he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? It's a very common question that people have. Why can't just everyone sense the presence of God? Why can't everyone experience God? Shouldn't it just be obvious if God is everywhere? So Judas's question is one that I think we have all the time. Why is it that only certain people can actually experience the presence of God? And so Jesus's answer is, if anyone loves me, he will keep my... What it's talking about here 
is the love relationship that we have with God. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So how then is God made manifest within us? If we keep God's word, if we keep his word, then uh, if we love him, we will keep his word. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. So here you see the word keep. And so earlier it says, uh, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And then it says, Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So again, what does that mean to keep his word? Well, it can be like keeping a promise, right? In the sense that it means that you don't throw it away. We already called uh, God's word a gift, right? Think about the gifts that you get. You know, um, so I don't know if there's ever a time where you're trying to clean up your house and maybe there's something that someone gave to you and you kept it because it was a gift. Well, you don't really like it. Have you ever been tempted to throw that away? You know, like, oh, they'll never know. But then in the back of your mind, you're like, well, what if they ask? What if they show up my, at my house one day? And they're like, hey, where is that ugly thing I gave you? And you're like, oh, yeah, uh, somewhere. I don't know where it is, you know? Have you ever thought about that? You know, for real gifts, for things that you treasure, we keep them, right? Um, as I was preparing this message and I was thinking about keeping things, it made me think about hoarders. You ever see, like, extreme hoarders? Like, like hoarders as in H-O-A-R-D-E-R-S, right? People who keep everything. Does anyone have a friend like this? Does anyone an extreme hoarder? Like, you just cannot throw anything away. Like, every single thing. You know, every assignment from school, every piece of clothing you've ever owned, you know, every newspaper, magazine, it's just piling up in your house. There are people who have a problem. They cannot throw anything away, right? And for, for a lot of people, the reason why people, uh, hoarders, exist, like, like, what is that about? I think this is why hoarders exist. I'm, I'm not like, you know, a trained psychiatrist or psychologist or anything, you know, but this is my theory, why hoarders exist. You know why people can't throw away anything to the point where it's like piling up to their, their eyeballs or, you know, like it's just overwhelming their house and, you know, like th- there are rats that are making nests in, in their house and stuff like that. I think it's because of this fear. What if I need it? What if I need that one thing? I don't think I need it right now, but what if it comes up later? And it's that fear that causes people to never throw something away. You know, another context that you hear the word hoard is like with treasure. You know, like I think about like the Hobbit or, you know, like some some fantasy thing. Like, you know, that's the only time I can think of, or maybe like a pirate or something. I'm going to hoard that treasure. What does that mean? You're going to keep it. No one's going to take that from you. You're always going to hold that within you, right? And this is, what, this is what Jesus is talking about when he talks about keeping my word, right? It doesn't mean just doing it. Yes, it does mean doing it. But in order to do God's word, you got to remember what it says. You got to keep it in your mind. You got to keep it in your heart, right? So reading scripture is one thing. But it's about keeping it within you. 
uh, about really treasuring it and storing it up, right? And so how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? What does that mean? What does that look like when God manifests himself to you? How do you know when God's presence shows up in your life? Do you hear trumpets? Do you see angels descending? Or is it, as it continues to say, um, this is verse 27, and we're going to just skip down there. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let uh, Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So one of the signs, friends, of the manifest presence of God is God's peace. God's assurance that he is with you. Well, you're not afraid. You're not anxious. You're not troubled by the things in life. But you have this sense about you. You know what? Even if the circumstances don't work out, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. God is with me. That is, by the way, what I think Jesus means by, I do not give as the world gives. Worldly peace is defined by the lack of conflict. You know, like if everything is going peachy in your life, that's worldly peace, right? But that is so fragile. That, that like never exists. Maybe for like five seconds in your life, you'll have worldly peace where everything is okay. But let's be honest, life can be hard. Right? And if you are going to live a life for the kingdom of God, you will face trouble. It is a guarantee. Jesus guarantees it. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to face suffering. Remember, we talked about that last week. If you are adopted into the family of God, you can count on your life having some suffering in it. You're going to. right? You're going to face difficulty. No two ways about it. But in the midst of that, Christ followers, people who have the manifest presence of God in their lives, have this supernatural peace. You know, it doesn't mean that you're like, like some Zen monk all the time, right? But there is a peace that the world cannot take away. There is a peace of knowing that you have a loving God who has your back. There is a peace in your bones in, in, your, in your cellular structure, in everything that tells you, you know what, it's going to be okay. And friends, this is not something you can manufacture. You can try, but if you're really worried or you're really stressed, right, probably the worst thing somebody can say to you is calm down, right? Like someone is like, calm down. Does that ever work? Are you ever like, oh, thanks, man, now I'm calm. <laughs> Right? Try being calm when you're not calm. Try being calm when you're stressed out. Try not being stressed out. You can't do it, right? Because that stress exists within you. It's a part of you now, right? And so for us to just try really hard to have peace, it doesn't work. What is going to give you peace? What is going to give you peace is Jesus living within you. As it says, if we go back, It says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's what gives you peace. Is God within you? The spirit of God within you. And the word of God is the way, one of the ways that we access that. Keeping God's word. Keeping his word. So that means reading it. 
but maybe also memorizing it, chewing on it. And friends, some of this is going to be God's work. It's not going to be all your work doing this. Right? And how do we know that? Because he tells us that. So let's look at verses 25 and 26. It says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And this is one of the wonderful things in life. When we keep God's word, we read God's word with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reminds you of God's word when you need it. You know, think about the times when you have been reminded of something. You know, um, like uh, I think I've used this example where like something will remind me of a song. You know, like, like I don't know, someone will say something and then just out of nowhere, I'll start hearing that song in my head. Has that ever happened to you, friends? It's like the weirdest thing, right? That song was somewhere within you, um, but you weren't actively thinking about it, but something triggered and then the song came out. Now, probably you've listened to that song a lot, right? You know, maybe it was your favorite song for a time. Maybe it was a song that was just on the radio all the time, and you kept it. It's still there, right? What about the Word of God? In those times when you're stressed, when Jesus tells us that we don't need to worry because God knows every hair on your head, because there are more stars in the sky than you could ever count. There's more grains of sand on the seashore. We don't even know how many there are, but God knows every single one and he created every single one. That there are flowers in the field that don't worry about what they're going to wear. There are birds in the air that don't worry about their food. They don't worry about whether or not they have a home. And God clothes and feeds and takes care of all of them. What if in those moments when you're stressing and worrying about money, how are you going to pay the mortgage next month? When you're worrying about all these things that you cannot control, that a word just comes up within you like a song and it reminds you, don't worry, don't be afraid, I'm with you. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will never abandon you. What if that were to happen, friend? I think that's what it's talking about here. The Holy Spirit is this helper who will remind you of this word when you need it. This is why we need to keep God's word in our hearts so the Holy Spirit can use it, bring it up when we need it most. And so friends, why is it that maybe for a lot of us, for many people in this world, reading the Bible is not this wonderful experience of experiencing the presence of God or this thing that is very useful where the Holy Spirit can remind you of these things. I think part of the reason why is because we don't read it with the Holy Spirit. We don't read it with the Holy Spirit. We read it as Steve you know, on my own. And this is the thing, that this is not, friends, just words on a page. It's not. It's not just any book. It is the word of God. But it is the word of God when the Holy Spirit brings it alive in your life. You are not meant to read the word of God outside of that context. 
You know, I, I've used this example before, so forgive me if you heard this before. But I think it's, it's a very good example of how this could not happen. You guys know who Bill Maher is? Um, he's this guy, like, I think he's on HBO now. But he is this dude who is super anti-religion. And one of his favorite things to do is to bring a Christian onto his show and just humiliate them. And Bill Maher is this hardcore atheist and you know, one of the times where I saw him bring like, like a, a pastor onto his show, you know, Bill Maher is just ripping this guy apart. And uh, not literally, but just like with his words, right? They're just, they're just talking, like they're very civil, you know, no violence. Um, but a- as he's talking, they're talking about uh, the Bible, right? And, you know, the pastor, he has this comeback that he is sure is going to just shut up Bill Maher. And so he's like, well, have you ever even read the Bible? And Bill Maher just looks at him and just like has this like smug, you know, he just has a smirk on his face. He's like, yep, I've read the Bible many times, backwards and forwards. Read it many, many times. And the pastor's just like, oh, he has nothing to say, right? Because he was sure that if you just read the Bible, it would become the word of God for you. So what, what is the problem then with Bill Maher? How come it wasn't the Word of God? I, I've read stories. I know of people that reading the Word of God, it changes them. They have a profound encounter with the Holy Spirit. That wasn't Bill Maurer, right? Why? Because he wasn't reading it with the Holy Spirit. He didn't create room for the Holy Spirit, right? He read it as if, I mean, you know, he read it to attack Christianity. He read it to rip apart Christianity, Right? He read it with a complete lack of humility, with a complete lack of openness. And there was no room for the Holy Spirit to work in that. Now, not to compare myself to Bill Maurer, but I think in many ways I was doing this when I was reading Scripture. I was not leaving room for the Holy Spirit to work in that. You know, because this is what I would do. I would set a limit. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to read um, one paragraph because that's all I have time for today. And, uh, you know, okay, let's get this over with. Uh, Hear this, O priest, pay attention, O house of Israel, give ear, O house of the king, for the judgment is for you, for you have been a snare at Mizpah and a net spread upon Tabor, and the revolters have gone deep into slaughter, but I will discipline all of them. Okay, amen. And then that's it. Friends, is that keeping God's word? In the same way that a hoarder keeps every single thing in their life and they never throw it away? In the same way that Smeagol would hoard the one ring, it's mine, my precious, you're not going to take it from me. That's not keeping God's word. That's throwing away God's word. Right? That's just, there's no room for the Holy Spirit in that. Right? And so, friends, this is something that I've learned the hard way. Is that in order for the Holy Spirit, uh, for the, the word of God to come alive is I have to create that room for the Holy Spirit. And friends, I have to unlearn some of the ways that I read. You know, for a guy like Bill Maurer, he reads the Bible with a critical spirit. And, you know, where the critical spirit comes from is an analytical spirit. I'm not saying that this is always bad, friends. You know, it's okay to analyze the Bible. It is okay to be critical at times. But if you want to encounter God through it, this may sort of, you know, uh, limit, confine the Holy Spirit's ability to work through it, 
right? Because the critical spirit, you are putting yourself in a position as a judge, right? That, that's what you do as a critic, right? You watch a movie and you're like, hmm, this movie sucks. This movie is not as good as the last one that I watched. Who, who appointed you as the judge, right? I did. I appointed myself. I'm the judge. I know better than anyone else or than the people who at least created this movie and is trying to sell it to me about what is good, right? And I have made myself a judge over this thing, right? And if you read the Bible with this critical spirit, God cannot be God to you. You just can't. Because what does it mean to be God? God must be Lord. Keeping the word of God does mean that you have to be willing to obey it. You have to be willing to submit to its authority. And this is really hard for us in this day and age. Because from the time you learn to read, you were always taught to read with a critical spirit. You're always told to analyze it, take it apart, to use it, to to find it useful. And friends, we still do this today. We're always trying to use Scripture instead of letting the Holy Spirit let the Scripture be useful to you. Instead of letting the Holy Spirit bring it into your life, we are trying to grab it and take the meaning out of it. Have you ever been frustrated reading Scripture because you couldn't get the meaning out of it? This would happen to me all the time. I would read it like, "Mm, I don't like this. I don't understand this. I, I, I I don't know what this means. And I get frustrated and I stop. But what if it was a gift? And what if it was a gift that could only come alive by the Holy Spirit? And so I could just receive that. Hmm, I don't know what this means, but I'm sure the Holy Spirit will bring it to me, right? And you just read it and you just enjoy it and you try not to overanalyze it. Friends, there is going to be time to study the Bible. You know, what I'm trying to teach you today is not the only way to read Scripture, but it is a way to read Scripture. And it is a way to read Scripture devotionally. What does that mean? What is devotion? Devotion is the kind of love that stays for a lifetime. That's the kind of thing that we do when we spend time with God. It is not just a duty, it is devotion. It is trying to build a relationship with God. It is trying to experience God's grace, right? And so what I want to do, friends, is... um, We're going to go into a time of reading the scripture, but I want to give you a few quick tips on how we can do that, okay? Again, friends, I I want to be very clear about this because some of you might be like already resisting a little bit and you're like, "Mm, but Pastor Steve, I'm a very analytical person. You know, I, I just, that's just what I do, right? It says that I should love the Lord God with my mind. I'm going to love the Lord God with my mind. Well, first of all, I'm not sure that it means to love God with a critical spirit. Um, But second of all, there can be a time and place for that. But I'm just saying, if you want to fall more in love with God, this may not be the time to do that. Yes, study the Bible, be analytical in another time. But in your time of devotion, read it devotionally. Read it as if it were a gift. So I want to give you guys some tips that you can actually apply right now. So the first thing is to come into the loving presence of God the giver of all good gifts. And so friends, remember, if this is a gift, we have to believe that it is a gift. Do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that God has good intentions for you? 
Maybe you believe that on some intellectual level, but you're not feeling that in that moment. You know, maybe you're kind of going through a hard time. Maybe you're really worried about something. And it's going to be hard for you to really come into the loving presence of God. And so if that's you, then take some time to do that. Take some time. Like, like you know, we did this a, a few weeks ago. Uh, we talked about taking deep breaths. You know, uh, maybe just saying a short prayer. Come, Lord Jesus, come. You know, calming yourself. Letting yourself be in the presence of God before you engage his word. Uh, next, choose a scripture passage. I recommend starting with Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you know, and maybe just pick one of the gospels and start there. And, you know, you can start chapter one, verse one, and keep going. Or Psalms can be a good accompaniment. You know, there may be times where you're just feeling very prayerful. Psalms are songs and prayers. And so that can be a wonderful thing to, to read in your devotional time. And so, you know, Psalms or the Gospels, uh, maybe a combination of both would be great. Uh, third thing, and this is, uh, not everyone's going to agree with me on this, but bear with me. and let, let me explain to you why I say this. Don't set an amount or limit on how much to read. I've actually heard a lot of people say the exact opposite. They're like, no, you should do about 10 verses or something like that. And friends, the reason why is because for me, I think that this experience of grace, um, this, it, I think it should be something spontaneous. It should be something that you let God surprise you, right? So if you just limit yourself to those 10 verses, I don't know, maybe the blessing was in verse 11, but you'll never know, right? Because you, you stopped at verse 10, right? Who knows, right? You know, and so why not let the Holy Spirit just work in that time? You know, and, and so don't peg yourself to like five verses or six verses or seven verses, right? Just keep reading. You know, what I would say, instead of setting a limit of number of verses, set a time limit. You know, so do this in your devotional time. Do this in the 30 minutes, the 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is, right? I recommend 30. If you can get to 30, it'd be great. Um, 30 minutes that you spend with God in silence, in quiet, in solitude. Um, and so just let that be a part of your time. And, you, you know, so one of the things that I think we do is that we try to speed through Scripture. And when we do that, we're not allowing God enough time to work. So setting the time limit is not a limiting factor. It actually stretches you. Because probably for most of us, we are not used to reading Scripture for more than just a few minutes at a time. Right? Let's be honest. You know, 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes. How much do you really sit down and read scripture in one sitting? You know, and so if you set 30 minutes to spend time with God, you're not going to be reading scripture the whole time. You know, there's going to be some times where you are just being still before God. There may be times that you're praying. But somewhere in that 30 minutes, start reading the scripture, right? And it will stretch you to spend more time, to allow God to work in that time. And friends, for me, it makes me less anxious. If I know that it's going to end in 30 minutes and that a timer is going to go off, I don't worry about the time, right? So I can just enjoy that time with God uh, without being too, too conscious of how much time uh, is going by. Um, read slowly. Like we said, don't overanalyze. You know, if you find the words and meaning slipping away, if you find your mind wandering, wandering it's okay. Just go back and read it again. No pressure. And, and don't be hard on yourself. This is not an exercise in how good of a reader you are. This is receiving grace. 
This happens to me all the time when I read scripture. I, I start reading and I, I'm like, oh, I don't even know what I'm reading. It's okay, start over. Just go again. It's okay. Just receive that grace. Don't overanalyze it. Just read it slowly. And if you feel drawn to a particular passage or a phrase, reread it several times and take some time to just savor it and receive it effortlessly. That is God's gift to you. Don't overanalyze it. Don't overthink it. What does this mean? What am I supposed to do with this? God may give that to you, but let him give it to you. There may be time to do that later. After you are spending your time with God. Yeah, by all means, you know, analyze or, you know, process. But in that moment, just receive it. Maybe it'll just be a beautiful phrase. You're like, oh, huh, that's really beautiful. Just receive it. You know, maybe there's something that's challenging to you. Like, hmm, there's something there. You know, you feel a burning sensation when you read that. Maybe in a good way, maybe in a not so good way. Maybe it's a challenge. Stay with that for a moment. Read it. Reread it. Just savor it. And if there isn't any lightning bolts, you know, if you don't hear the angels singing, you know, if there's no huge epiphanies, that's okay. It's just grace. Just receive it. If nothing else, but you just felt rest and peace in reading the scripture in that time, that's good enough for me. And remember, friends, God is giving us a helper, the Holy Spirit, who will remind you of all things in due time. Keep the word, right? You know, and and let him keep it for you. But let's just be faithful in actually showing up to read it, right? And giving God the room to do that. So friends, what I want to do, next 10 minutes, can we do this 10 minutes? I will set a timer and uh, I, I brought a chair, so I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to read with you guys. And so I, I thought about giving you a prescribed scripture verse, but I thought, hey, you know what? On Monday, you're going to have to find your own scripture anyways. So maybe you can start today. Maybe you can start with a gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Pick one. Uh, maybe you can start Psalm 1. Maybe you want to do Psalm 23. Maybe you want to actually just continue what we were reading and do John 15. Uh, those are my recommendations. Psalm 1, Psalm 23, John 15, or pick one of the Gospels and begin there, okay? So for the next 10 minutes, this is what we're going to do. We're going to leave the tips up here if you need a reminder. And so just read it slowly. Just enjoy. For the next 10 minutes, you're not going anywhere anyways, all right? So take your time. And if it's hard... Um, That's okay, friends. You know, take some time to just read, receive God's presence, right? So let me set this timer, and why don't I begin us, friends, by uh, entering into the loving presence of God. So, friends, if we could just take some deep breaths, so in through your nose, out through your mouth. In through your nose, out through your mouth. Just let your heart rate drop. Make sure you're, you're kind of upright, your back is against the pew, you're not slumped over, so you're not tempted to fall asleep. Um, friends, just let's take a, a few moments to invoke God's Spirit. You know, come Holy Spirit, come. Lord, send us your Spirit. Um, God, I want to be here with you. Holy Spirit, speak. Be present. Use your own words, friends.
Maybe you just want to cry out, Jesus, Jesus. Maybe you want to just declare your intention. God, I want to be here with you. I want to give room for your Holy Spirit. Let's take a few moments to do that. And then as, as you do that, um, you know, whenever you want to, yeah, just start reading the scripture. Enjoy it, friends. Savor it.
Friends, if you want to start coming to a stopping place, we'll give you like maybe another 30 seconds or so. Okay. Well, friends, uh, I encourage you to continue to practice this when you go home. Um, I know for me that a lot of the spiritual practices, they aren't home runs right away. I'm not an expert overnight. It's something that I have to learn. And, um, you know, I just want to encourage you to keep learning, to keep practicing, to keep trying, to experiment. You know, maybe you want to do a little bit shorter of a passage and just read it over a few times. Maybe you want to pause in between and just let the Holy Spirit be with you. Even if you don't hear an audible voice, just let that word rest in between. Maybe you want to just keep going and you just want to read and you're just enjoying that experience. And so you're not overthinking it, but you're just, you just keep going. And I think that's totally cool too. And friends, if God does give you a practical application, I mean, by all means, write that down. By all means, remember that, you know. Um, receive from the Lord whatever he would give to you. And so, um, why don't I close this with a prayer and praise team, can, can we come up for the closing praise? God, we thank you, Lord, so much for this time that we've had to enjoy your word, God. To read it, Lord, and to rest in it, God, to keep your word within us, God. May whatever we have read, God, may it be sealed by your Holy Spirit, God. Lord, you are the one who is giving us this word. You are the giver of all grace, the giver of all good gifts. And Lord, we trust that whatever was given to us was good because you are good. So Holy Spirit, take and use, God, all the things that you are teaching us, all the words that we ingest and that we hear, God. Use it for the good of building your kingdom within us and without us. We thank you, God, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.